I will explain my foot in a minute to those who don't know what's going on. But in the meantime, before that, if you could stand for the reading of the scriptures this morning. Once I sit, I'm sitting. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where our scripture um, comes from this morning. Brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand. You're being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins in line with the Scriptures. He was buried, and He rose on the third day in line with the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then He appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are still alive to this day, though some have died. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, He appeared to me, as if I was born at the wrong time. I'm the least important of the apostles. I don't deserve to be called an apostle, because I harassed God's church. I am what I am by God's grace. And God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I have worked harder than all the others. That is, it wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. So then, whether you heard the message from me or them, this is what we preach. And this is what you have believed. And this is the word of the Lord. You may be seated if you'd like. Um, So every year during Holy Week, churches around the world set up a week um, to remember the last week of Christ before His crucifixion and resurrection. Starts with Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, moves through various... um, Various days, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and churches, Christians around the world are invited to live into this, to try to understand it. And this year, I think I did that, I realized on Friday, I did this more concretely than I ever have before, because on Friday, I was placed in that, (laughs) just like Jesus, right? The tomb. Pastors are not supposed to refer to themselves as Jesus, and I don't generally, but that was too good. Um, And I worked on this sermon as I laid there for 45 minutes. Um, I want to preach the good news today. That's what Paul says. That's what I want. Um, Paul describes the good news as, as in, in in a few different ways. First, he describes the good news as something that is proclaimed, that is preached. The story we read in John um, shows the women, the first preachers, if you will, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. What a great story. Um, Secondly, the gospel is received. This week I have learned a lot about receiving. It's easy to receive when you ask for something or you want something. 
it's so much more challenging to receive when you just need it and you don't want it. Um, I busted my foot playing basketball. Brett Veltman was in the vicinity. We won't blame him. Um, it has is, it is put me this week in a place of dependency. Um, and frankly, it stinks. Um, but it's good. Um, it reminds me that the gospel, the good news, is something that we are dependent upon and that we receive. But not only do we, is it proclaimed, is it received, it is something that we stand in, Paul says. By which you stand. The gospel is an invitation to a bold and courageous life. Finally, it is that which, within which we are being saved. Um, and so I want to preach the good news today. Um, I was introduced in the last couple of weeks to a concept called outsider art. Outsider art is art that's created by self-taught artists outside of kind of the artistic establishment. And I was introduced to this by Jerry. Jerry, if you don't know Jerry, he volunteers every week at our church. And what he does is he oversees volunteers who do a ton of work around this building. This building would not look like it does without Jerry and without the people that he works with. And Jerry came into my office, and like Jerry does, he loves to talk. It's so amazing to talk to him. And he's always real conscientious about whether or not you've got time because he knows himself. And so he comes into my office, and he's like, hey, do you got a minute? I, I'll be really quick. And I said, I will, yeah, come on in, Jerry. And he told me about a day he was walking down the street in Pasadena, and there was a homeless man that he, that he saw. And he just felt like God was saying to him, you need to go talk to that man. And so he went over and he introduced himself, and the man introduced himself. His name was Will Hall. And they struck up a conversation like Jerry knows how to do, and they began to talk, and they began to strike up a friendship. Will Hall had spent, maybe he found, had spent about 10 years living on the streets with just a bike. A few, about 10 years in, he, he was able to get a 1974 Dodge Dart. And so he lived in his Dodge Dart for another, another 10 years. And that's when Jerry met him, somewhere in that journey. Jerry found out that Will was an artist, an outsider artist. And that he had spent years drawing 8 by 11 drawings on the dashboard of his car. Um, because he loved it because it was in him, because he saw the world from a very particular point of view, and he wanted to create it. Well, Jerry loved this art, and so at his church in Pasadena, they were having an auction, and he said, well, let's take a couple pieces of your art to the auction at church. And so they took it to the auction, and they put it on display, and each piece, two pieces, went for $600 each that night. In a little bit, I'm going to show you some of this, this art, so stay tuned. Outsider art, I think the gospel could be imagined as outsider art. 
earlier, Paul says this, I passed on to you as most important what I also received. And this, my friends, is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins in line with the scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day in line with the scriptures. Earlier in Corinthians, Paul describes this good news that we proclaim whenever we do the creed. Paul describes it as a scandal to the Jews and as foolishness to the Gentiles. And I get it. I get it. Um, there's a sociologist who went to uh, kind of far out lands and uh, very kind of secluded people groups. And he wanted to study how culture came together. And one of the particular areas he studied was religion. And so he coined the term that he discovered of totemism. You guys know what a totem is? What is it? That's right. Thank you, Sydney. And basically what happened was these, these tribes, they had values that they wanted to pass on to their kids. And so they would name these values like courage and slyness, um, wisdom. And they would link those values with animals and images because they wanted to teach their kids about these things for survival. But over time, what happened is that they would begin to worship the totems. And so they were like, wise as a... Sly as a... <laughs> wise as a... Courageous as a... You guys are wonderful pagans. Congratulations. <laughs> but what are you doing when you worship a totem that you've created according to your values? What are you doing? You're worshiping your own way of life. I think we can easily fall into the same trappings. In fact, I think we do. It's amazing how Jesus sounds like the values that we adore and hold dear when we describe him so many times. But I wonder if today that we can understand Jesus, the resurrected one, as an outsider artist. Um, Greeks, Greco-Roman, foolishness to them, Paul says. Why? Because they understood God as being far, far away. If you wanted to be, have bliss, you wanted to be like the gods, and the gods were far, far away, out of the messiness of life. Paul comes to them and says, See the crucified one? He's the Lord of all. He is God incarnate. It blew their minds. That's foolishness. God is blissfully away. 
from the messiness of life. Paul says, you want to see God? Don't look up. Don't look up to the right ideas. Don't look up to the authorities and power. Look down. Look outside. You'll find God. The Jews, I, I understand where they're coming from. They are a particular people who had been cast out, outsiders, for a long, long time. Whether it was Egypt or Babylon or Assyria or now the Romans, the Jews felt on the outside and they had this hope that someday God would bring them a deliverer who would bring them to the inside and they would be the ones to get the cast out. And Paul says to them, see the one who welcomed everyone? Who opened his arms so wide that everyone could come in, that there was no outsider? That is God. Scandal. Scandal. It was a scandal for Paul who's writing this. For a long time, he harassed the church, we read, because it was scandalous. And then one day, God's Spirit showed up to him, and God's Spirit shows up to us still. Showed up to Jerry that day when he reached out to Will Hall. Um, God's Spirit showed up to him and caught his attention. And he looked around and he saw all these early Christians, outsiders, in their own way, healing the sick in a time when sickness was everywhere. Moving towards those who were in need and providing sacrificially Loving one another in ways that were uncommon. How does this happen? The Wall Street Journal had an article this week. Maybe some of you saw it. It was on Easter. It was called the Easter Factor. Um, and it was talked about this, this phenomenon that we today gather together to celebrate Easter. And that if you, if you look at all the research and you hear all the stories, the only way for these Christians to behave that the, way, the way they were behaving, the only thing that they would articulate as to why they would do it is because they believed in the deepest part of who they were. To the, so deep that it moved their bodies into action. That the crucified one, the outside artist, was the risen and reigning king of all of creation. That's what they would say. They wouldn't say, well, that's my religion, and you know, that, that's, this is theirs, and this is a story I live in, and this is theirs. And They were convinced, and their bodies and their actions showed it that the risen Lord was Lord of creation, including, including them. 
I need your help. Come on. Um, we gather together today because He has risen. He has been exalted. He has conquered sin and death, and He has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ rules the world with His presence in all things. And, he's been, and they have all been made subject to Him. And we're invited today, together, to let that sink into our bones that we might trust Him with every aspect of our lives. Some of you go to school. Like elementary schools, junior highs, high schools. Some of you are teachers there. Some of you are students there. What does it mean for you to remember that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord in those places? Where do you look to find him? Some of you are business people. You make money doing business. You, you provide for your families that way. Some of you are in kind of careers that are service-oriented. Helping professionals, they called you. Um, what does it mean that the outside artist is the Lord of those domains? Is the king of those aspects of creation? What, how does that shape the way you do your work and your life? Um, so Jerry got to know this guy, Will Hall. And like I said, they had, they had this auction and they, they sold his art. And uh, I've got a few pictures here. This is Will Hall. This is one of his pictures. It's an 8 by 11. Here's another one. Now, mind you, these are all drawn in pencils on the dashboard of his Dodge Dart over years and years and years. Um, as I read about him, because you can read about him now, um, events in his life, like his mom's death, his sister's, I think it was his sister's death in a car accident, shaped his art. And he began to, to design like safety features of this art. He expanded out. You can see there's two 8x11s there. Um, all the way to things as complex as this or, or even more. One day a couple from Wisconsin, maybe similarly called by God like Jerry, met Will. And they discovered all the art that was in his car. And they took it to a gallery. And I want to get the details right here. Um, they took it to a gallery... Um, and a, a man named Stephen Holman was there. It was at the, a place called The Hive, where he was a resident artist. And they showed him this art, and he knew right away, this is outsider art. There's a place for this. And within a year's time, he had connected Hall with Henry Boxer, who was his liaison to the Henry Boxer Gallery, which specializes in folk and outsider art. 
and is at the Folk Art Museum. Hall's work is now a permanent collection in the Folk Art Museum in New York and is also a part of the ABCD Gallery in Paris. In this article, they interview Hall and they say, they ask him um, about his take on this experience, this, this profound fame that he experienced over a very short period of time. And he said that it felt exciting. He said, if you have a vision, you should share it if you think it's valid. And then he said, I always thought my life was valid. Come on. Yes. Ah. Two things I want to say for Easter people, you and me, those who preach and live and receive and stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two things. Then we're going to baptize someone. We're going to celebrate Eucharist together. Our temptation to find hope, to find good news, to find certainty, to find energy, is to look up to the right idea, the right way of thinking, to some authority figure who will give us the right answers, whether it's in appreciation of the authority figures in place or in reaction to. If you want to find God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ says, look outside, look down, look into the details of the world and your life, because the risen Christ is there. If you're in schools, no matter what your role, and you want to find God, look to those who are on the outside. Look to those who are trying to find a way in. And you just might find the Spirit of God. Um, I think Jerry would say he did. He found the Spirit of God in his friendship with Will Hall. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor writes, The cross is the power to pick up the shattered pieces and make something holy out of them. Not from a distance, but right close up. Second thing, and this is with this I, with this I end, I think that the resurrection of the crucified one, Jesus Christ, tells us, proclaims to us, that there are no outsiders to God's love. Jesus died with outsiders. He died with the ones that society had cast aside. Paul, because of his privilege and the way he acted out of that privilege, was an outsider. He didn't get it. And God saved him and save those who Christ was with. The reality is we can all feel like outsiders for all kinds of different reasons. And the gospel says, to be a part of what I'm doing, you don't have to fit in. You don't have to fit in. You belong. At this table, you don't have to fit in. You can come 
as who you are. Paul says in, in Corinthians, I am who I am. He settled with himself. And why? Because of God's grace. So guess what? You can come to this table. You can be in a helping profession. You can be in a business world. You can be looking for a job. You can be whatever. You can come to this table even if you don't fit in. God wants to do stuff with us there. Right now at Mountainside, we have three high schoolers in our whole church. Yes! And they're high schoolers, so they're, they're grappling with this fit-in stuff all the time, and then they come to church, and there's three of them. And I want to say to them, you belong here. You may not always feel like you fit in, but you belong at this table. So I don't, I don't care what it is that makes you feel like you don't fit in in the gospel. Your age, your ethnicity, your marital status, whatever. The gospel says there are no outsiders to God's love. And even if you don't feel like you fit in, you belong at the table of God's kingdom. Whether that's in this building, in this community, or at your workplace, or in your family, or in your groups of friends, or whatever, when you don't feel like you fit in, you belong because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. Hey, we are going to celebrate um, the power of God's crucifixion and resurrection um, through baptism today. Um, and what I want to do is I want to pray um, before we do that. We're waiting on some kids to come to. Um, but this baptism, this is what it's all about. We're going to bring Tessa up here in just a minute, and we're going to baptize her. She doesn't have all the right ideas yet, right? She's got the perfect spirit and posture to life. <gasps> but she is welcome at this table. Um, and so we're going to baptize her into God's family and God's kingdom. Living God, um, we thank you that you came among us on the ground in the messiness of life. through your Son, Jesus Christ, and that to show us where you are, you raised him from the darkest of places, death itself, overcoming death for all of us. God, may we live standing in that, courageous and bold to be your people through your resurrection power and glory. Give us eyes to see, not our own values, not our own hopes and ambitions. But God, give us eyes to see your kingdom's values and hopes and ambitions. And by your spirit, move us into lives and a life that indicates that and embodies that. Um, we pray this in the name of Christ, our Lord, risen from the tomb, your Son.
Amen.